heaviness going on. There's so much struggle and difficulty in people's lives. And I think that again, I'm just convinced that what we've been talking about for the last month, why is our church family important, or for these moments here. But this topic this morning, while it doesn't seem to immediately connect to the heaviness in people's lives and the chaos and the turmoil and the storms is, I don't know about you, this is just an observation of my own life, that there is sometimes nothing better to pull us out of our own deepness and, and darkness than by giving of ourselves, our souls. And so this morning we will be talking about that and ending our sermon series on our church family being important, why it is so incredibly important uh, with the theme this morning that we, we serve together. There's something powerful that happens when we all come together around a common purpose and goal and we serve with one another. And you guys know as well as I do, how incredibly frustrating it is when something is out of service, right? Like, like there are three, those three words are like just strike panic in anybody's hearts, like out of service. That's so inconvenient. This can't be out of service right now. I mean, how many times have you been traveling and inevitably someone in the vehicle is Captain Smallbladder, Right? And you can go for miles and miles. And it seems like when you have to go to the bathroom, the worst, what happens? There are no places to go to the bathroom at all. No gas station. No rest area to take care of your business. And finally, you stumble across this tiny little town that has one simple, small gas station. And as you approach the bathroom door, what do you see on that bathroom door? Inevitably, out of service. Now we guys have no problems. We just find a bush, we're good to go. But ladies are more dainty and they need more room and they need more things, all right? They can't just be doing that. You pull up at a pump at a gas station and gas station is packed and there's one island that is free and as you ease up to the pump and you see it, what are those words again? Out of service. That little yellow thing they put over the pump handle, you're like, really? out of service. Guys, when you find yourself in the middle of nowhere and you pick up this phone hoping to use it and you look at it and you see the words, no service, it becomes incredibly frustrating. Guys, it's everywhere in life. And it's not good when things that we are expecting to use and want to use and bring convenience to our lives are out of service. We generally don't like it when something is not working and we expect it to. And as such, and on an even more massive scale, it is a major, major problem, guys, when the church is out of service. Oh, we're too, we too, we're too busy for that. I can't do that. Oh, I'm not equipped to do that. Ah, that's not what I do. That's not the thing I... We're out... Uh, that's what it sounds like sometimes when we're out of service. Really and truly for so many churches. I pray to the Lord this is never true about New Heights Christian Church. You might as well just put signs on the outside of it that say, out of service. And it shouldn't be that way, guys. When that happens, when a church is out of service, inevitably what happens? Tempers flare, and every man or woman is just there for themselves. Guys, I heard this this week, and it's such a great, great line. Why is service so important? Why are we talking about serving one another and together this morning, guys? Because serving is the oil that makes everything, especially in the church, run smoother. When we have people in a church who are not serving in the way that God has gifted them and called them to serve, things lock up pretty quick. Things get overheated pretty quick. And so what can we learn, especially from the New Testament is where we're going to look this morning, when it comes to the power of service and serving together? Guys, in God's kingdom, every act of service, I want to say it again, every, that means all, there's nothing that's not in this, every act of service is valuable. 
And when we serve together, and we put all of our gifts together, we can make a difference. I'm not like doing like a we are the world moment right now, like we all join hands and we could do, no, it really does make an impact and it really does matter when we give of ourselves, when we sacrificially serve for the good of others, one another here in the church, and then beyond these walls out in our community. It makes a difference. It makes a gospel difference. In fact, I believe this to be true. It may be in the smallest acts of service, the, the unknown acts of service, where we grow closer and we get to know one another better and we enjoy being used by God for the good of others. That's a phrase that will come up over and over again this morning, for the good of others. Guys, there is no way to put it, and really this whole month has been about this, not just this week, that we are better together. Amen? Yes. We are better together. Amen? Yes. Thank you. See, it's, it's an all play. It's, a, it's, a, it's everybody plays here. Guys, it is a fact of life. Having other people surrounding us, encouraging us, making us better, even when life may not be better. That's what it truly means to be a church. That is what God has gifted us and blessed us with in a church family. So what in the world can we learn about this important topic of serving others and serving together from God's Word? I want to use the words of the Apostle Peter this morning to guide us. Now, this is going to start off in an interesting way, and you're going to be like, where's he going with this? I'll tell you after we read. 1 Peter chapter 4. 1 Peter largely written to Christians who were experiencing persecution, so that will help to make sense of what he's going to talk about here, starting in verse 7 of 1 Peter chapter 4. The end of the world is coming soon. I just want to stop there for a moment. Peter writes this thousands of years ago. The message of this is still as true today as when Peter wrote it. The end of the world is coming soon. Now you're like, well, that's weird, Ryan, because like a thousand like plus years ago, Peter writes this, and like the world hasn't ended anytime soon in that. Guys, we are living in the last of days. Everything for God's redemptive plan has been fulfilled by Jesus dying on the cross and raising to life, being ascended into heaven. He's preparing everything now. And at any moment, God could say, it's the time. Because everything and his redemptive plan has been completed. And so because that's true and the end of the world is coming soon, it could come at any time, be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully, that's an important word there, cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. Now listen here, we're going to focus in. These are going to be kind of our two verses that we keep coming back to this morning. God has given, He has absolutely given each of you a gift from His great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God Himself were speaking through you. And at this point, people are going to be like, nope, I can't speak, can't do that. That's all right. Peter's got something else here. Do you have the gift of helping others? Oh, well, yeah, I can, I, can, I can help people. Good. You fit into any of these categories right here. There are two of them. You fit in one of them. Speaking doesn't always mean either speaking up here or speaking and teaching in a classroom. It means speaking encouragement into people's lives as well, too. Speaking the gospel news, the good news of the gospel into people's lives. You have the gift of helping others? Do it with all. Do both of those things, speaking or serving, with all the strength and energy that God supplies. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to Him forever and ever. And we'll play this again. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. That's like, that's Peter's way of like, shoot, 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 flourish on everything in that letter. Amen. Guys, here's what I notice. And again, it starts off kind of weird in verse 7. You're like, uh, we're, talking, we're talking about serving this morning, Ryan, and you're talking about the end of the world. That 
How do those things go together? Here's what I think, guys, and I think you know this to be true of your life and many things. The end of things has a way of setting the priority of all things, doesn't it? Suddenly, when you come to the end of something, and unfortunately, we're all going to come to the end of our life, and guess what? Things are going to become really clear. The things that matter the most, the things that are the most important are going to get real clear real quick. Can I say it again? Guys, we don't know when the end is coming, but the end is coming, so we better be about the most important things in life. And one of those things, I'm convinced, is this concept of serving. The end has a way of set it, setting the priority of things, how we live in our lives. Peter is here in this letter exhorting and teaching believers and many things in this whole section, in this whole letter. But of interest to us this morning is his teaching, teaching on exercising our spiritual gifts. That's what we're going to talk about this morning. And you're like, wait a minute, what? Like, I, I got a gift? You've got a gift, all right? We're going to talk about that. You've been given a gift by God to serve the church and one another and people outside and beyond these walls. And so the end has a way of like clarifying what that is. And as we'll talk about in much of the service this morning, the church gives clarity to our efforts. What are we supposed to be doing? How are we supposed to be going about things? The church provides the context for us to serve one another. I always call the church kind of this, all right? And this might seem kind of weird, but I see the church as a laboratory. Like, so all the things that we read in here, and especially all the one another's, guess where we get to practice them? Right here. And if you can't practice them right here, guess what you're not going to do out there? All the one another's. This is our laboratory. It gives us clarity as to what we are supposed to be doing, what we're supposed to be doing uh, about using our gifts that God has given to us. And Peter says here what? When we exercise our gifts that God has given us, we are practically and we are faithfully, as the New International Version says, and some of your translations may say this, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. I love that line. Managing, stewarding, administering the things that God has given to us in its many ways. Guys, simply put, to be a Christian, to be a Christ follower, is to be about serving. For that's, guys, what our Savior modeled. And that's what Dan talks about a little, talked about in his communion meditation. Jesus himself modeled in his life what it meant to be a servant. The word Christian at its earliest usage actually meant and carried the meaning of a little Christ. Look at all those little Christs running around. That all we want to do in our lives is to be like Jesus and to reflect Jesus in everything that we do. That is God's intention for us. That is the end goal for all of us on this world who have been, who are now, who will be. That God would say, you are mine and I am conforming you to the image of my son, Jesus Christ. That is our end goal when we show up in heaven someday. He looks and he says, I see Jesus in you. And what does it say in Matthew 20, 28? The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to what? But to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. Serving is what Jesus was about in His time here on this earth. And guys, so service is just who we are. If we want to be little Christs running around, we better be about service. The people of God, you guys sitting in here, anybody who's watching at home, who is a member of God's church, who has claimed Christ, the people of God are the church. This right here, this is church. This is a building. This is church right here. And one of the best ways, guys, to express that, that we are the church, is in our acts of service. Ministering to one another and ministering with one another. By the way, I want you to look here again at 1 Peter chapter 4. Isn't it very fascinating and interesting? We talked in the first week about the four foundational pillars of the church. The apostles' teaching and fellowship 
and the breaking of bread, which included the Lord's Supper, which we talked about last week, and prayer. What do you see in these few verses that I read, verses 7 through 11? Guess what shows up? Prayer, fellowship, breaking of bread, hospitality in people's homes. Three of the four foundational pillars of the church show up here in 1 Peter chapter 4, and wouldn't you know it, the apostle, uh, the Peter is an apostle, and he is teaching his people, so boop, four. The four foundational pillars of the church show up here in 1 Peter chapter 4. All right, that was just an aside, but I thought it was very interesting and very divinely orchestrated. In a study of 7,000 churches a few years ago for a book entitled Transformational Churches, the co-authors of this study, and as they poured through all the data from these churches, they found, now listen to this, guys, this is shocking and sad. They found that for a majority of those 7,000 churches, a majority of people in a majority of those churches were unengaged in meaningful ministry and mission. And you're like, that sounds great, Ryan, but what in the world does that mean? Oh, I'm glad that you asked. That means that many show up for the show of church, but many don't stay for the serve. Many people are unfortunately passive spectators rather than active participators. And that is not how God designed his church to be done. Oh, that sounds good, Ryan. Mm -hmm. That was a good one. Mm. All right, on my way. Church is not a show. It's not a dog and pony show. Church is meant for us to all contribute and to participate in the life of the church. Statistically, about 30% of the people in the typical church are actually using their gifts in meaningful ways to serve and to minister. That means 70% of the people in a typical church are not. That's, that's certainly not, again, look at this phrase right here, guys, in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. God has given, what's that phrase there? Each of you. Does 30% sound like each of you? Does 30% sound like everyone? No. That's certainly not everyone. How do we bridge the gap between present reality of the church where most people are just coming and doing nothing and the passage that we're reading that everybody should be doing something? Each of you are given a gift. We, we do it by being, number one, obedient to the Word, what it calls us to do, and we do it through the power of the Spirit. Both of those things show up here in 1 Peter chapter 4. Again, I want you to listen to this. Don't, don't miss this. Peter said, God has given each one of you a gift. He has gifted you with the Spirit, and He has gifted you by the Spirit. Guys, this is the first takeaway that I want you to jot down if you are a jotter downer, all right? First thing, it's so basic. All have gifts. What do you think that word all means? Every single person. Now, I'm going to clarify that just a little bit, be more specific. If you are a believer and you have claimed the name of Jesus and you have received Jesus in your life, you have the gift of the Holy Spirit, and each and every one of you is given at least a spiritual gifting. Now, I really believe that we all have like a multitude of gifts, but we have just like maybe one thing that like God says, that is what I has given you. You exercise that. If you are in this room, you are a believer in Jesus Christ, and you have given your life to Jesus Christ, you are part of the all. Everyone. Each one. That's you. He's talking about you in that moment there. Guys, First Peter really is a manifesto about how a Christian should live their life. If you would look back at the very beginning of Peter's letter, in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1, he says this, This letter is from Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. And who is he writing to? I'm writing to God's chosen people. That's you. You show up right here in this letter. Now, he's writing specifically at that time to a particular group of people, but it applies to us as well. If you have claimed Christ, you are chosen. You are a son 
or daughter of God, a child of the King, you have with that not something to just bask in and be like, oh, isn't that amazing? I'm a child. No, you have something to do. Been giving something to do, and you have a gift to do it. Peter seems to be saying here in chapter 4, spiritual gifts are a built-in part of a believer's life. And I know some of you are sitting there right now, and you're like, I'm not sure about this guy right now. Like, like really? Like, I don't feel like I'm very gifted. I don't feel like I'm very awesome. That's all right. You don't need to feel like you're awesome because that's not the point for you to feel like you're awesome because you have something. You have, you have something much higher than that. You have a higher calling. Again, you have been chosen by God to be saved through Jesus Christ. That's pretty high. And because of that, a built-in part of your life is to exercise your spiritual gifts. And I, I don't, as I say that, there are some people that are like, what's he talking, like spiritual gifts, like what? They're not like, oh, I do like weird things like where I talk in tongues and I like, I spout prophecy. No. You know what a spiritual gift is at its most basic level? A spiritual gift is, very simply but very miraculously, Jesus pursuing his, missions through, his mission through the members of his church. That's it. Like, whoa, wait a minute. Like, I've always, like, like spiritual gifts has always been so, like, mystified and, like, no. A spiritual gift is Jesus pursuing his mission through you. When the Spirit of Jesus indwells you and He wants to accomplish something He wants done in the world, He does it through you and He does it through a gift that He's given to you. That's a spiritual gift. Paul, if you stay right there in 1 Peter. If you've got a little bookmark like I do, you bookmark that thing. And let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Because Paul also talks about this concept. In fact, most people would think, I didn't really know Peter talked about spiritual gifts because Paul does. Paul does a lot. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, he says this starting in verse 4. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts. Not everybody is given the same spiritual gift, and not everybody has all of the spiritual gifts. In fact, I'm here to say this, like, this gets a little confusing to people sometimes. There are six different lists in all of the New Testament of spiritual gifts, and there is the assumption and there is a mindset that that, is, that list is not even exhaustive. It's a sampling of the gifts that we could have. So when you look through the scriptures and you're like, yeah, that ain't me. That's not me either. Nope, definitely not that one. Well, I guess I'm not really gifted. Stop. It's not an exhaustive list. Everybody's given different kinds of spiritual gifts and no one has all gifts. But the same spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, different kinds of ministry, but we serve the same Lord. God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. And then listen to what he says here. It's going to sound just like what Peter says. A spiritual gift is given to, oh, there's that phrase again, each of us. So that we can do what? Help each other. We need each other. If you skip down to verse 11, it said, it is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. It's not like you go into the spiritual gift supermarket and you're like, ooh, I want that one, and I want that one, and I want that No. God says, here, I've shaped you to be this way, and this is the gift I'm giving you. God, I don't really want that one. That's pretty lame, actually, really. Don't argue. God has given you the gift that he's given you for a very specific reason because he shaped you for that. In fact, it says that here in verse 12, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up the one whole body. And then if you skip down to verse 18, but our bodies, again, have many parts. And listen, God has put each part just where he wants it. He has shaped and put everything together just the way that he wants it. And if you look over at verse 27 there in 1 Corinthians 12, all of you together our Christ's body, and each of you, there's that phrase again, is a part of Christ's body. Are you catching the drift between Peter and Paul here? Each of us are a part of this family, and each of us has something that we need to do as part of this family. It's not very much different from your family. I don't know about you, but in my house, everybody's got a little role. Now, 
Sometimes the older two don't like to do their role around the house, but they have a role. You remember probably when you were growing up that you had some sort of a chore and a role around your house, and you probably didn't want to do it either, but guess what? It got done, or your tush got thumped, one of the two. That was how it worked in my house anyways. Doesn't work very well at your home, does it, if we all say, you know what, I just don't really feel like doing that today. I like trash, lame. I don't care, it stinks, but just whatever, leave it there, I'm not doing it. Oh, I need to pick up my bed. I'm not picking up my bedroom. I don't care if like the socks have been sitting there for three months. We're just going to leave them there. It doesn't work out very well, does it? Because what happens eventually when people don't do their job at home in a family, everybody starts to get a little snarky, don't they? They start to bite at each other, don't they? Nothing changes in the church. When things need to be done and they're not getting done, You've got one person, two people over there going, you know what, I'm sick and tired of doing the same thing all over again, and nobody else around here. It happens, doesn't it? Each of us, every one of us has been given a gift and is called to something. But here is the danger. It's just in the illustration I was just using. When there are inactive parts of the body, the church is a body, and I think we've established that over the last month, Paul talks about it. If you want to read it there in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, read the whole chapter. The church is a body, and God's people have been placed in that body. It has detrimental implications when large parts of the body are immobilized, not working, not serving, not doing anything, not using what God has given each and every one of us. Which leads to a second observation. Again, I told you to keep your bookmark there at 1 Peter 4. We're going back to it. All of us have gifts if we've claimed the name of Christ. And number two, God intends all of us, and notice the alls, all of us to use all we've been given for the good of... Thank you. Two people. Two people jumped in there. That's why I highlighted it. Well, actually, yeah, it's highlighted up there too. What's the key word here, guys? All. What does he say again? From his great variety of spiritual gifts, use them to serve one another. Guys, the gifts that we have are for service, not for show. It's a very fine line, especially the gift that God has given me and me using it, getting up here. I don't get up here to put on a show. And now, Brylan tells me a lot. She'll be like, Daddy, you're a funny daddy. All right, that's what she tells me. I don't get up up here to be funny. It's just who I am. It's my personality. I don't get up here to put on a show. God has given me a gift, and I just use it to serve in the best way that I know how. Guys, if we think back to the church at Corinth, we were just talking about them. We've talked about them quite a bit throughout this series. One of the many problems that the church at Corinth had when it came to their spiritual gifts is that they became really proud about their spiritual gifts. Some of them thought that their spiritual gifts were like a Marvel superhero power. Like, (laughs) I got spidey sense, guys. Like, I can tell things. I know when things are coming, and I can tell you what's going to happen. I can discern things, and I can give a powerful word about it. That's my superpower. What's yours? Oh. Uh oh. Like, you have the gift of administration. That's, that's cool. That's really lame. Guys, that's what they were doing. That's what they thought. My, my spiritual gift is so useful. Yours, I don't know really what to do with it. What do you do with the gift of administration? A whole lot. Guess what? I don't have the gift of administration. I'm just going to tell you that. I, I kind of fake it to make it with administration. That's why I need people in my life around me that have the gift of administration. I'll be like, you do that so I can do this, all right? What, what, by the way, is there to be proud of when it comes to a spiritual gift? It's not yours. You didn't give it to you. Again, listen. Guys, the gift that God gave you was not to puff you up before others, but to enable you to lift others up. Please never, ever forget that. It's not about you. It's not about helping yourself. God did not just give you a gift. He did not just give you gifts so that you could feel good about yourself. God gave you the gift to serve. And specifically, what does it say there? To serve 
one another. We've got to be figuring that out. How in the world do we leverage and use the gift to serve one another? The phrase, use them, that he says right there is actually the idea of managing and stewarding. We said in the NIV it's translated administering. It's actually managing and stewarding the gift God has given you. Here's the thing about managing, and we talked about this just a few weeks ago. I'm going to bring it up again, though. And it's true across the spectrum of using that word of steward, manager. You don't own anything. I don't own anything. Nothing that I have is truly mine. You're just taking care of it for the master. Because the same thing applies to the gifts that we have been given in God. We do not own those gifts. We've only been blessed with those gifts. Again, we leverage, we manage the gifts that we have been given for the good of others, not for ourselves. Not for a show. Guys, a church that's filled with people who are here but not serving, and they're part of the body, but they're, they're a deadened and inactive part of the body, sometimes causes a church like parts of the body, and largely the body as a whole is sort of like impacted by paralysis. It's just not moving. It's just not doing anything. It's what happens when they're not engaged and they're not involved. And guys, that... I hope you see that in what Peter said. That's not God's design. It's not what God wants from his church. That's not what God made his church to be. Guys, sitting back and just getting a deeper knowledge of the Bible, this phrase I hear so often and just want to like, I literally want to take ice picks to my ears when I hear this. I'm just, I'm just here to be fed. What? Just sitting back and being fed, but being unengaged in God's mission is a recipe for pride, not progress. Just deadness. There may be, guys, let me say this, there may be brief seasons and moments where you just need to sit back and you need to be ministered to and you need to catch your breath, but that's the exception to the rule. It is not the norm and it cannot supersede the biblical norm where all of us are coming together to serve one another and to serve the body and to serve beyond these walls. We cannot largely be the object of ministry. We need to be partnering in ministry with one another. Which leads me to a bonus thought. I have a lot of bonus thoughts. I have a lot of detours that I take, a lot of rabbit holes, but that's all right. Guys, God works in our lives through other people's gifts. And vice versa, God works in other lives through our gifts. You see how it works? Again, in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, again, verse 25, Paul would bring this idea up and he says this, and this is the way he says it. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. Guys, God's body should be caring for itself, and each member should be taking care of another. And I said this in Sunday school this morning, but I'm going to say it again because it's so wildly important. Guys, you will find that nothing in your life will help you to grow in your relationship with Jesus like helping somebody else in theirs. If you want, like you're sitting there today, and you're thinking like, how could I grow closer to Jesus? How can I grow to be more like Jesus? Help people in their life to do the same thing. It'll automatically. That's why I tell people all the time when I'm like, could you help me teach a class? And they're like, oh, I can't teach. Like, I don't know stuff. I don't know the stuff. All right. Like, do you know how you get to know stuff? Do it. Teach it. Pour yourself into it, and you'll know it real quick. It's the best way. Applies to every part of service in the church. Guys, it's not just, this is not a message because you people, there, there are probably people who are sitting there like, oh my land, he is getting ready right now to like list out every last place that we need people to serve in this church. We do need people to serve at this church. But it's not just that we need you to serve and to fill a role. More importantly, you need to serve. You need it deep down in your bones. You need it deep down in your soul. You need to serve together with others in the church and from this church to be what God truly wants you to be, to be what this church, God truly wants this church to be. 
I think sometimes what we think is like that, God, I need your, I need help. I'm really in a bad pickle here, God. And that we think that what God should do every single time is he should just zap down from on high and fix all of your problems. Do you know what God really does, guys? He didn't do that. He didn't zap power down from heaven. He moves a member of the body to do the work through the means of a spiritual gift. Again, we say, God, help, help. And sometimes he does. I'm not debating this. Sometimes God moves very supernaturally and he just fixes something. And we're like, whoa. But you know more often than not what God does? He says, I've put all of my help, I've put everything that you need right there into the members of the body. Guys, here's, here's how I would sum that up. This is going to sound really weird and super unspiritual, but I think it's the most spiritual thing. Use your body. Like, not this, okay? I know, Crystal right now is like, oh, geez, please did not just do that. I, I did just do that. All right. <clears throat> Use this body right here. That's what we're here for. Not for God to just zoop, I just fixed that. Zoop, I did, nope. He said, I fixed this by giving you all this. A great observation from a pastor, J.D. Greer, says this If you want God to work in your life, you have to be a part of the church. Guys, some of the best thing God wants to do through your life happen within the life of the church. He continues and says this, when you disconnect yourself from the church, you disconnect yourself from the power of God. And then he ends with this, and he says, stop asking God to work in your life if you're not willing to put yourself in the portal of his power. The church, this body. Guys, be known enough and know others enough that God uses you in their lives and you in theirs. Point being, guys, you cannot just be a Lone Ranger Christian. You cannot just be a ninja Christian that just, I'm in, I'm in out, all right? Nobody sees you, nobody knows you. You cannot hope to do that and still be spiritually healthy. God puts spiritual things, spiritual stuff into the people of the church. And now that we've taken just that little detour, coming back here to 1 Peter 4. All have gifts, and we're to use all that God has given us to serve all the people around us. Third thing that I notice is that God alone empowers the gifts. Do not ever miss that. Like that you can't, you can't conjure this stuff up. You know what? I think I have a really great gift for preaching. Somebody says. I'm sorry, I'm just here to say it. Not everybody has the gift of preaching. Oh, you know what? I really think that I'm a really great encourager. Oh, really? Because actually I think you're the most sour person I've ever met in my life. You're probably not an encourager. But guess what? There is something that you can do. You do have a gift. God alone empowers the gifts. What does he say here again in 1 Peter 4? If you're, if you're going to speak, you're going to serve, whatever it is you're going to do in the church, you do it with all the strength and all the energy that God supplies. Guys, every one of us were made for ministry. The word that's often used in the New Testament is the word diakonia or diakonos. It means serving or ministry. Guys, I'm called to a type of ministry, and that may look like the norm, but it is not the norm. I think that we have made it the norm. Oh, well, Ryan, you're up there, and you do it, and you just do it all, buddy, because you've got the gift. I just told you. God has gifted me to talk, but God has not gifted me to do administration well. I need other people in my life. This may look like the norm, but that's not the truth. We're all called to ministry. And guys, you don't age out of ministry. You don't get so many years of service of ministry that you just get to call it quits. Guys, ministry may morph in your life, but it never ends. There's always something else to do, all right? And I want to say this too, because I think sometimes people will be like, oh my land, they want me to work in the nursery. I'm 25 years old, but I feel like that when I'm 95 years old, I'm still going to be working. You may, I don't know. 
That may be what God calls you to do. That may be what a church needs you to do. But you are not locked into a ministry for the rest of your life. Things change. Seasons change. Everything morphs, all right? But ministry never, ever ends. And at this point, I think it's very appropriate to say thank you. A massive, all capital letters, thank you to all those who are serving in some capacity here at New Heights. Whether it be the worship team, or whether it be people in the care ministry, or whether it be nursery workers, or children's church workers, or Sunday school teachers, or whatever, all the way down to just like, you're like, nobody really knows my ministry. That's all right. God knows your ministry. And I want to say from the bottom of my toes, all the way up, thank you, thank you, thank you for what you're doing here. But here's the thing, guys, as I say that. What would happen if those who are not currently engaged and active got active? Found their gift. Exercised their gift. Here's what needs to happen. And I really don't want this to come across this morning like, man, he's just like beating me up. I'm not beating you up. I want this so bad for every person in here to be engaged in service. We do not need to beat each other up. We do not need to grumble because somebody's not serving we just need to help each other to serve. You guys remember what Hebrews chapter 10 says, right? Hebrews chapter 10, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope that we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. And then he says this, let us think of ways that we can motivate one another, spur one another on to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Guys, here is the amazing link. If we want people serving, they need to be in community. You need to be in community. You need to be together, which is why we've been talking all month long about why the church's family is important. It's why in the fall we are going to reboot and re-engage. I don't know why the TV is doing that, but that's all right. We're going to keep on going. Reboot and re-engage our small groups around here because it's just been a conviction of mine that we are lacking in that area, that we need to provide and be about community. The last truth, guys, that I want to give you this morning, all have gifts. Use all that God has given you. God does the empowering, but why in the world do we use our gifts? We use our gifts and we serve the greater good to do what? What does it say there in 1 Peter 4? To bring glory to God. That's the reason. Not just to do good things, what does he say? Then everything you do will bring glory to God. It's, it's sort of like a math equation, and I'm not a math person, but here's the math equation. If we live this way and we use our gifts for God's glory based on what we have received or been gifted with by the Spirit, and everyone's using their gifts to serve others in the power of the Spirit, then God will be glorified. It's like that plus that plus that plus that equals God's glory. And the end goal of all things, guys, is that God would get glory. See, the inference here is that when we're not using what we've been given by God, we are robbing God's glory. I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a glory robber. All right? And so we've got to find what God has given us to do. When we are loving one another greatly, when we are loving one another greatly is the moment we are using our spiritual gifts, guys. But more supremely, we are loving God when we serve together. Notice again how he ends all things here. I love this line. Don't overlook it. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. That's a glory moment right there. That's a God getting the glory moment. Guys, you see, the, the church is tailor-made to help you discover how you are made and how God can best use you. The actual act of, of stepping out and doing it allows us, in many ways, it's the only way that we're allowed to find out what we do well and what's not for us. See, like, I want you to hear that. Not everything is for you. So don't try to make everything about you. 
God has given you something to do. God has put you in a particular place with a particular gift at a particular time. In Galatians chapter 5, Paul has this wonderful, wonderful chapter that he talks about our freedom in Christ. And I think sometimes this is what happens and why we're not freed up to serve is because we don't understand the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ. He says, Christ has truly set you free. He says that in verse 1 of chapter 5. Don't, don't, don't get caught in slavery again. Make sure that you stay free. But he says this in verse 13. For you have been called to live in freedom, my brothers and sisters. But don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, here's this idea again. Use your freedom. Use your gifts. Use what God has given you to serve one another in love. Tony Evans says it this way. If you don't know freedom, you won't be fired up to serve. It'll always be about you. And then he continues on and says, Jesus Christ has posted bail for all of us to get out of jail. But honestly, guys, some of us are still handcuffed and shackled. He says, when you recognize that you've been set free, when you could have been incarcerated for eternity, listen to this, community service ought not be a problem. Amen? Amen. Guys, Jesus went first, and so we just follow. Whatever he's doing, I want to do. That's all of us, guys. We are loving Jesus in one of the best ways that we can when we are serving the church and others. And we do that best when we do it together. I want to end this morning with a story. And some of you may not know these names, but they are very important names in history. The name Alfred Blaylock. Does that name ring a bell for anybody? It should because he is the man up here who is on the right, and he was a pioneer in cardiac medicine way back in the day. A lot of things that are still done in cardiac medicine today are because of Alfred Blaylock. But there's another man standing there with him, isn't there? That man's name is Vivian Thomas. And uh, Alfred Blaylock was nominated for many Nobel Prizes. But here is, in his humility, he always said this, I wouldn't be who I am today without Vivian Thomas. You know, the story of Vivian Thomas is very interesting. In Mr. Blaylock's first stop and first school that he was at, do you know what uh, Vivian Thomas's role was there at the school? He was a janitor. And, and you, you would think of that, he'd be like, I'm a janitor, I can't do anything. But he had a knack for mechanical engineering. He could engineer anything. And so many of the things that they used in their cardiac procedures and in their, in their processes and projects and stuff was because of Vivian Thomas, because he had a mind for that. He not only stopped being a janitor, he, stopped, he started working right alongside Alfred Blaylock, and he actually began to train some of the world's top surgeons in the procedures that they were developing along the way. It wasn't Alfred Blaylock, and every step of the way, Alfred Blaylock said, it, not me. I would not be here if it were not for Vivian Thomas. You see, it wasn't about each one of them individually. It was about them together. And guys, what we have to do in the church, what we need to see in the church is, it's not about me. I mean, I have a lot of people who come up to me, oh, Ryan, oh, that was amazing. That was an amazing sermon. That was amazing teaching. That was amazing what you did. What I should do, now I'm not going to lie, there's sometimes be like, hmm, hmm, yeah. What I try to do and what I should do most of the time is like, you know what? I only do what I do and only can do what I do because of so many other people who serve in this church. People who are back in children's church right now taking care of the kids so that the kids are not chaos and hanging off the walls in here. Because you know what would happen if kids were chaos and hanging off the walls in here? Nobody would be listening. I'm only able to do what I do because I have a wonderful secretary who keeps my life in order, who keeps everything that I do in order, especially right now when it's just the two of us. We lost a big part when we lost Levi, but we're pulling together and we're figuring out how to do this thing. I only do what I do because of the great leaders that I have around me, my elders and my deacons of this church. No way that I could ever do this. I, do, I can do what I can do because of the teachers that I have at all levels who are faithfully pouring their lives into toddlers and elementary age kids 
middle schoolers and high schoolers. I only do what I do, and it only looks so great because of the people who are up here every single week on this stage who are leading us to the feet of Jesus every single week. I just show up. It's like, thank you, Levi. Thank you, Brian. Thank you, Adam and Ethan and every person who is up here on this stage and Taryn and Ellie and Emma. I could just keep on going on and on with the people who are up here. Thank you. You just made my job easy. I just show up. Guys, what would happen if every one of us had the same amount of attitude and we just said, you know what? I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know if I can do it. I don't know if God's given me to do it, but guess what I'm going to do? I'm going to show up. And I'm going to show out. I'm going to serve. I've had so many people tell me recently, and you can't say the Spirit of God is not moving, people who are just literally coming to me with those words and saying, I don't know what I can do, but put me to work. I'm like, oh, yes. I actually tell people, if I could clone about 20 more of you right now, it'd be awesome. Guys, I'm, I'm not joking. We need people right now at all levels of this church to roll up their sleeves and to serve. I need people to teach. This is a real need right now, people to teach in my elementary Sunday school class so that our kids will come to know the Lord and will grow up in the Lord. I need people serving in a care ministry so that we can truly do what we're talking about here, serving one another. I need people to step up in every level and way in this church so this church doesn't just die on the vine, but it thrives and it flourishes because that is what God has called us to do. Would you pray with me? Well, I pray that we would hear that this morning. I pray that I would hear that above everybody else, that there is nothing that is too great of a calling and there is nothing that is too small potatoes for us to do. Everything matters. Everything is valuable. Every bit of it is needed for your kingdom to thrive and flourish. And that's what it's about, Lord, that your kingdom would advance, the gospel would advance in this world, that the good news would go out. And we do that best, Lord, when we are serving together serving for your glory. And so I pray, Lord, that you would just press on people's hearts this morning. Not that we just need to fill a bunch of holes and have warm bodies in places. That's not what we're looking for. We are looking to give people the gift of serving outside and beyond themselves in a selfless way so that they can experience more and more of the abundant life that you promised to us. I pray that we would hear that this morning. I pray that you would help every person here to know the gift that you had given to them and that they would exercise that and they would exhaust that all the days of their lives. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.